The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and welcome to issue 4,228 of the Known Universe's leading and only audio newspaper for a visual world. I'm Andy Zaltzman in the shed of unquenchable truthiness in South London, and as we record, apparently Russian state media has warned that the UK could be, and I quote someone else quoting them, wiped off the map by a nuclear attack using an underwater robot drone that sparks a radioactive tsunami. Now... On the plus side, uh, this uh, this underwater drone is going to have to wade through literal shit to make it here because our heroic British uh, sewage system has been blasting untreated shit into our coastal waters for more than apparently 160,000 hours last year. And bear in mind there's only 8,760 hours in a year. That is a f*** of lot of hours. On the minus side, according to Dmitry uh, Kisilyov, also known as... Putin's mouthpiece, uh, TV news presenter without a completely unbreakable commitment to truth and objectivity, which is uh, all the rage these days. He said that Britain could be swamped by this radioactive tsunami. Now, whilst this would possibly make swimming in the sea marginally more hazardous from a health point of view, it could also play merry havoc with the cricket season. So I'm very much opposed to it and living in a state of some concern. Of course, Kisilov is welcome to come on the bugle and try to explain his rationale as to why this might be a good idea. And it should be said that this nuclear attack from an underwater drone remains unlikely to happen. But if you do hear things starting to splish and splosh around radioactively in the background, well, let's just hope it's just a government drill. Now, joining me from uh, A, a radioactive tsunami-safe eighth-floor flat on a hill in Crystal Palace, uh, sensible planning, and B, a pretty much identical genetic pull to me, it's the quibbling sibling... Helen Zaltzman. Um, Helen, uh, welcome. I mean, you moved into a, a flat quite a long way off the ground. Did you have advanced knowledge of the uh, Russian uh, radioactive tsunami threat? Hello, Andy, from Hello. the nuclear shit-filled gene pool. Same as you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so did, did you have advanced warning of this uh, Russian uh, nuclear tsunami threat? Oh, yet. All right. <laughs> Well, that's that's you. You actually did learn Russian at school. Uh, yes, I technically did learn Russian, right. and so I'm now well placed to translate Uncle Vanya if the current <laughs> conflict requires. Okay, that is starting to look deeply insensitive now. Your choice of uh, choice of school subjects. Um, also joining us, making up an all Jewish issue four thousand two hundred and twenty-eight of the Bugle, as promised to our people by God in the Bible. Uh, if you read it backwards, from San Francisco, it's Nato Green. Shalom. Shalom, bitches. <laughs> As our forefathers used to say. Uh, how are you? Uh, how are you, Nato? How's uh, how's California these days? Uh, it's okay. So, uh, Andy. It- as has often happened on the bugle, I have to report to you on my dealings with the nightmarish American healthcare system. Right. I I recently had a, a a medical debacle, you could say. I was having to pee constantly. I was in pain in my groin. I what I didn't sleep for a week. My wife is a clinician, and so she thought I needed labs done and a prostate exam to rule out prostate cancer. I called my medical plan Kaiser to get an appointment. And they said, what is the problem? And I said, um, my dick hurts. Um, <laughs> Sorry to laugh. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's... Deepest I, sympathies I, for your pain. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it was like, I was like, what? 
I, I wanted to convey some sense of alarm, and it felt like using euphemisms would not get the level of urgency that I was trying to get across. So you went they, for the medical technical language. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah, I, 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 pulled out, I pulled out my medical uh, uh, dictionary and said, <laughs> technically speaking, my dick hurt. And, uh, and they said, do you want a video appointment? And I said, who is paying who for this transaction? <laughs> uh, are we doing doctor visits on, on OnlyFans? So they, I can't get an appointment. I can't get exams. I'm miserable. I do a gig and then go from the gig directly to the emergency room. And I get my first prostate exam in an emergency room in an open bay. Uh, um, the doctor tells me to lie on my side and curl up a, a bit while he inserts his fingers into my butthole. And... It reminds me of the line from Gabriel Garcia Marquez that the first fall bring, brings old age and the second fall brings death. But Marquez <laughs> clearly didn't know about prostate exams. Um, and so they described my prostate as not boggy, which is a good thing. But now I know that that's a descriptor that you use for the prostate is boggy, which I find horrifying. Um, so what is yours like, if not boggy? Feely? It, it, Concrete? Elegant? It, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh... Resilient? <laughs> resilient. It's, uh, like, uh, hardened... Yeah, the Balletic. prostate prostate can only be described using the, the, uh, the mechanisms that are used to, uh, flame and, uh, distill scotch. Um, so it's either, <laughs> uh, peat-fired or coal-fired. Um, so the... Then, after about a week... I, 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 my symptoms resolve, my labs go back to normal. At some point during the process, my, I get some labs and my wife, the clinician looks at them and says, either you're fine or you have imminent kidney failure. And then our kids walk in the room and she's like, I don't want to talk about it in front of the children. <laughs> um, so anyway, the, the upshot is uh, pro probably I passed a kidney stone and either it was a small kidney stone that messed me up, but not as bad as kidney stones can do. Or it wasn't a small kidney stone, and I just have an incredibly tough urethra. Um, so that's what's been going on for me. Right. Congrats. Well, yeah. Well, Thank you. Uh, is congratulations the correct term? Um, yeah. I guess it is. Sort of like getting engaged, I guess. I feel like I, like I accomplished something. Yeah. Um, and, well, uh, Bugle listeners, if any of you want to um, describe... Uh, an intrusive medical procedure with reference to a giant of South American literature, do email us. Um, <laughs> perhaps you want to you know, explain a, a, an endoscopy in the uh, <laughs> in the style of Isabel Allende. It's up to you. Um, as always, a section of the Bugle is going straight in the bin. This week, uh, we review the latest uh, reality-driven children's books as children's literature seeks to uh, express more accurately for our youngsters, the reality of the world and future that they are looking ahead to, uh, including Tommy Turbot and the Trawler of Doom, exciting scrapes, and an introduction both to the economics of fishing quotas and the environmental cost of the fishing industry. Uh, Norbert the Naughty Knight, Crusades-based fun and frolics as Norbert and the Crusader crew dispense some eye-meltingly gory brutalities in the name of Christ, a replete with graphic depictions of siege life and hilarious bouts of fatal dysentery. And uh, we look at the Petula the Petulant Piglet series, including Petula says goodbye to her siblings, Petula comes to a dawning realisation of what sausages are, Petula, Last Swill and Testament, and of course the heart-rending series finale, From Abattoir to Abattoir, uh, when the young pig, having got the dream gig as a backing singer for the reformed Swedish pop icons, uh, finally uh, meets her maker in a quite harrowing, harrowing scene. Uh, that section in the bin... <laughs> 
Uh, we are recording on Monday, the 2nd of May, 2022. Tomorrow, Tuesday, the 3rd of May, is uh, National Paranormal Day. Um, I don't know what nation it is Paranormal Day in. I couldn't be asked to check, and I'm just waiting Paraguay. for some. But <laughs> quite possibly. <laughs> Um, uh, but let's just assume it's wherever you live. And therefore, this episode of The Bugle is being haunted by no fewer than five celebrity ghosts from the past and future. See if you can pick them out by playing this episode backwards into a Bluetooth-enabled Ouija board, then listening to the echo bounce back off a mysterious force field between naught and 500 miles above the surface of the Earth. If you are listening to the show whilst on or near a UFO, it will sound a bit weird, as if it's simultaneously underwater, on fire, and in Latin. Uh, also, the 3rd of May is World Press Freedom Day. There will now be a special five-second gap in which you can tell us, as a part of the world's press, exactly what you think about this show. If that's not enough, there will be an extra blank minute at the end of the show for you to finish off. On your marks, get set. Well, um, uh, th thank you for your uh, firmly expressed candour. We will take all of that on board. Top story this week, misogyny. Um, now, misogyny and sexism, are they the real M&S or the new S&M? Uh, you tell me, Buglers. But here in the UK, it has been a week in which men, the uh, far-famed demographic group who make up just under 50% of this nation's population, uh, but can boast around 65% of its MPs have been contributing, as is so often our way, 100% of the stories of frankly abominable behaviour in politics. Reports have suggested that a total of 56 MPs, including three cabinet ministers, are facing sexual misconduct allegations, assuming that they are all, or mostly men, and I don't think that is a large assumption to make, that's around one in eight male MPs, which seems more than would be ideal, with all due respect to the seven out of eight who've somehow heroically managed to keep their wandering whatevers to themselves. It'll um, come to them. <laughs> it will come to them. And topping this all off, this story kind of reached its nadir stroke zenith. Um, delete. <laughs> According to whether you are judging it based on the depths being plumbed in our post-morality, who gives a shit? Look at Ukraine, stop complaining about me sticking my plonker in a pot plant, political landscape. Or if you're basing it based on whether you enjoy collections of words that you never thought you or anyone else in the known universe would ever hear. For example, these words, Member of Parliament, caught watching pornography in the House of Commons, on his telephone, twice, once whilst next to a female government minister, then claims he was trying to look for tractors. Um, Helen, you have spent much of your working life studying uh, language. Uh, where does this stand uh, amongst the um, sentences that really should never have been constructed in the order that that was constructed? I'd say it's a easy top 50. Um, I'm just leaving room for worse to happen. Uh, what I found uh, intriguing, insofar as any of this is intriguing, was that um, uh, this MP, Neil Parrish, said, the situation was, funnily enough, it was tractors I was looking at, and I did get into another website that had a sort of very similar name. And what could that be? Is it something to do with ploughing? <laughs> what is a tractor-related uh, URL that could also be pornographic? Don't tell me. I, I simply don't want your opinion about this. It's a All rhetorical right. question for you to protest <laughs> <Okay>. later. <laughs> Uh, but in a way, it's the most honest thing a Tory has said in a long time. That he was looking for, for tractors and found... Well, then he went back to the website knowing right. that he was looking for sex tractors. <laughs> but uh, 
I mean, I don't agree with people uh, watching porn at work if that is not their job, but it is better than most of what the Tories do when they are working. Right. So, I mean, it's possible, isn't it, that that he was, you know, I guess, just trying to find something that had a more robust sort of moral code than sitting amongst <laughs> other Conservative MPs and behind the, the Johnson front bench. So, yeah, it, it, maybe we should try and look on this from the positive side. Uh, Nato, did, did this story reach your, your side of the Atlantic? Yes, it is. And I am incredibly relieved about this story because, you know, not that long ago, I was on the Bugle and we were talking about Jeffrey Cox and the corruption investigation. And uh, what a refreshing change of pace from corruption <laughs> and uh, the British uh, government not knowing what a party is um, <laughs> to get into this misogyny story. I, and I understand it. I mean, like, you know, he said he was looking at tractors and then he ended up on a porn site. Who among us hasn't made that mistake? Um, you can imagine the unexpected porn vortex I found myself in after looking for recipes that used cumin and star anise. Uh, <laughs> uh, it... It sounds implausible that you start out looking at tractors and then end up at, a, at porn, but the first rule of porn is that if you can think of it, there is a porn for that. <laughs> and uh, I don't even need to look to know that there is a genre of tractor porn. By the way, there's also definitely bugle porn out there where porn actors vaguely resembling bugle co-hosts just stick it in the bin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. We did get sent. <laughs> we did get sent some slightly alarming fan fiction many, many years ago. Chris, I can't remember if you were on the show at that point. No, it was it was pre me, but it was still very much a conversation, yeah. been, and it yeah. was horny. Yeah, horny and haunting. Um, I'm a little surprised team. that the uh, uh, the internet works well enough in the Houses of Parliament for to stream <laughs> porn. It's got some very thick old walls. Yes, um, I, I did expect the accused MP to defend himself by saying I had absolutely no idea it was pornography I thought I was watching a wildlife documentary on the mating rituals of apes I could not for the life of me understand why David Attenborough had not popped up yet um, I was watching someone else's video medical appointment <laughs> but in the end so Neil Parrish MP and former farmer so he claimed he was looking for a tractor brand called the Dominator specifically the Class Dominator Combine Harvester that is a very and Tory sounding Combine Harvester <laughs> it is he got taken to another site which contained pornographicals as discussed and he then revisited that site on a later occasion but not to see whether the Class Dominator Combine Harvester had somehow managed to develop a hybrid contraption that was half Combine Harvester, half woman, the long-awaited mermaid for the farming world. Um, now, obviously, what, what puzzles me most about this is that the Class Dominator 115CS is renowned as one of the most erotically charged Combine Harvesters available <laughs> on the market anyway, from its sensuous threshing cylinder to its almost seductive straw walker to its unstoppably horn-inducing cutter bar. So quite why Parrish felt the need to seek his Grotharian kicks elsewhere remains something of a mystery. And even if the Class Dominator did not sufficiently, how should we put this on a family show, scroop his agricultural potong-tong, well, what's wrong with the good old-fashioned Massey Ferguson 399? A 130-horse power super tractor so goddamn ripped you would have to be a permafrosted pope not to want to drive it behind the nearest hay bale and get down to some seriously agricultural business with it um i digress now of course i mean 
Helen, do we need to be a little forgiving that, you know, previous generations of MPs were not presented with such easily accessible temptation in the pre-internet days? The closest similar incidents our Bugle researchers could find was from 1867, when uh, Sir Strangeford Mellard was overheard making a strange grunting noise and sensuously stroking a curiously shaped Greek vase he'd purloined <laughs> from the British Museum. Uh, I mean, uh, is he just a victim of his times? Well, he has been caught twice. How many times has he done it that he wasn't caught? <laughs> well, that's a good question because I, I I don't know. I mean, if you if you extrapolate from the broader national crime statistics, in which uh, you know at a ballpark figure, let's say ninety five percent of all crimes are not solved, uh, and I've made that statistic up, but it sounds about right. And assuming that you know being in Parliament he gets away with more, I reckon. That's probably his 6,000th visit, visit to a horny tractor stroke pornography site. It is often boring in there, probably. As British people, did you know anything about Parrish before this? Uh, absolutely not. No, I mean, so, no one had heard of him. Um, uh, so I looked him up because yeah. uh, I was trying to figure out, like, is this because he's, he's resigning over it? And is this a loss to the legislative process? that, that he, his voice will not be heard. And here's a quote from one of his speeches. No government, irrespective of their political persuasion, can stop what blows on the wind. <laughs> when you're right, you're right, everybody. Um, and, uh, and his legislative record of the policies that he worked on, uh, it's, I think it's a huge loss to the commons to lose this pioneering policymaker on the top issues facing the people of the United Kingdom, uh, who was an expert on policies regarding dog control, the fines imposed on grocers, and the culling of badgers. Um, that's <laughs> according to his own website, his top legislative priorities. <laughs> yeah, well, he was um, uh, the chair of the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Select Committee from 2015, which probably just a bacchanal for him. <laughs> All those vehicles. <laughs> Uh, further reports have emerged um, as you know, the, the broader issue of misogyny in, in politics has uh, gripped the media uh, recently, um, including that one of the Christmas parties held in 10 Downing Street that's being investigated um, for contravening COVID laws involved the handing out of a Sexist of the Year award, which, you know, on the one hand, was probably <laughs> considerably more hotly contested than the even vaguely competent Cabinet Minister of the Year Award or the member of Number 10 Downing Street staff who least debased and damaged our democracy award. But, I mean, this government sort of wears its appalling cards firmly on its sleeve. And all this has happened in the self-proclaimed Mother of Parliaments, the confused, embarrassed, considering disowning all her children Mother of Parliaments. Uh, beyond that, there was also a story in the Mail on Sunday um, about a Conservative MP claiming that Boris Johnson was distracted from his prime ministerial duties in the Commons by Labour deputy leader Angela Rayner having limbs like Sharon Stone did in a film once. Um, it, it, these have been pretty dark times for, you know, as a fully paid up member of the patriarchy, um, <laughs> as I am, I, I mean, and, and you, NATO, I know, you know, you define yourself very much as a patriarch. It's getting increasingly hard to defend the franchise, is it not? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would have gone for a more current reference than a 30-year-old movie to describe <laughs> someone. Um, What's Sharon uh, Stone been in recently? Uh, just, <laughs> just switch it for that. Whatever that is. Yeah, the 
but the I the allegation about Angela Rayner was that she had crossed and uncrossed her legs, which is yes. what Sharon Stone did in the movie. Except that Angela Rayner was fully clothed, and the whole thing about Sharon Stone's scene in the movie was that you got to see her, and this is a technical clinical term, bald taco, um, <laughs> and. Saying that a woman moving her legs is the same as a woman exposing her actual vagina is like saying a pigeon is the same as a Tyrannosaurus Rex. In a strictly <laughs> technical sense, the pigeon is the biological descendant of the T-Rex, but there's hundreds of millions of years of evolution between them. No sane person would confuse the two, and Tyrannosaurus Rex also had a sweet pussy. So... uh one MP, an anonymous conservative MP, said that Angela Rayner knows she can't compete with Bo Boris's Oxford Union debate training. Now, I'm no expert on Boris Johnson, but does he have a reputation for being articulate and lucid? Um, is <laughs> well, that what he's known for? Well, it is in some parts of the you know the political spectrum that's. Uh, it, but it's very it's kind of invisible to, to other people uh, i guess it's like that you know that 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 blue dress yellow dress thing on the internet a few years ago where some people looked at looked at this picture of a dress and said that's a blue dress and others said that's a yellow dress and it's similar with boris johnson that you know some people look at it and say that's you know an, an articulate convincing debater in the grand oxford tradition that has shaped our politics and other people look at it and say what an absolute bumbling who is a scar on the very concept of democracy. So, you know, you could look at the same thing and come to different conclusions, I guess. Right. I, I thought he was just some spoiled asshole whose main gift was getting women pregnant, lying and failing to administer any single government function with the remotest competence. Yeah, proud to be led by him. <laughs> that's, yeah. what, that's what they teach you at the Oxford Union. Bearing in mind, his debating skills also included during the um, uh, election campaign in 2019, hiding in a fridge when uh, confronted with an awkward question. Um, it does slightly raise questions as to uh, the, the standards at um, uh, Britain's top universities. In terms of the state of, of British politics, um, there has been gradual progress over the 100 years since women were given the vote, but still only around about a third of members of the House of Commons and less than 30% of the House of Lords are not men. Uh, but let's look at these recent stats on this. As recently as 1987, fewer than 5% of MPs were women. It's gone up sevenfold to 35% over the last three and a half decades. If that rate of progress continues, in another 70 years, over 1,700% of MPs will be women. That equates to more than 11,000 female MPs in what will have become a very crowded and considerably less infantile House of Commons. So Nothing will get done. They'll just be queuing for the two loos that are in Parliament <laughs> the whole time. And they'll still be debating about whether it's time to update the building. Uh, the worst thing about this story, well, debatably, one of the worst things about this story is the hashtag is Growlergate. Ooh. That is right. vulgar. That, that is indeed uh, that, that is indeed vulgar. Yes. I, I suppose, Nato, uh, to you, perhaps a growler is a large bottle for putting things like kombucha in. Uh, Whereas here it has a, a more uh, smutty connotation. Oh, I'm, um, ex I'm excited to have more vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that with you into Whole Foods. Um, in terms of the, the misogyny and sexism faced by women in politics, um, according to Kwasi Kwarteng, the uh, Secretary of State for Business, um, this is just the result of a few bad apples. But as I said, 
with 56 MPs facing misconduct charges, when 13% of your male apples are one or more of mouldy, rotten, radioactive, or actually a rat curled up and painted green to look like an apple, then you're not going to win any prizes for your craft cider, or indeed your tartata. Um, especially when this barrel of apples has been chosen to represent all the other apples, because it's, it is supposedly, theoretically at least, the best apples that you can possibly get. Uh, he also said that in politics, there are some instances where people don't act according to the highest standards. Uh, for example, the years 2019 to 2022. Um, of course, misogyny is not something that is uh, exclusive to uh, Britain, um, although it is uh, still a uh, enthusiastically um, pursued national hobby, it turns out. It's also a facet of American politics. Uh, NATO, bring us up to date uh, with the latest um, celebrity misogynists who are... Um, entertaining news audiences in America. That's right, Andy. I, I would say that you British people are spoiled because Neil Parrish at least had the decency to look at porn twice and then resign. And if he were an American Republican congressman, he would get a book deal, a show on Fox News, and be declared the future of the Republican Party. <laughs> and that is indeed what has occurred. Uh, I will see you are looking at porn twice in the House of Commons and raise you Republican congressional cocaine orgies. Um, so uh, the uh, 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 House Republicans, like the Tories, don't mind what you do, whether it be looking at porn uh, or attending a cocaine orgy, as long as it doesn't interrupt a good legislative proceeding. Madison Cawthorn is a Republican congressman, a 26-year-old, wheelchair-bound, uh, arch-conservative, future of the Republican Party from North Carolina, who went on a podcast a couple weeks ago and talked about Republican congressional cocaine orgies that he had been invited to. Um, to be clear, uh, no one has since said definitively that there are no Republican cocaine orgies, <laughs> just that it's not the kind of thing that you should talk about on a podcast. <laughs> um, so uh, you're supposed to talk about it, but instead of Republican, you're supposed to say liberal media, Hillary Clinton, and then say QAnon <laughs> told you to say it because Republicans work on transference. Um uh, uh, Republican cocaine orgies sound like the worst possible kind of orgies. Uh, <laughs> it would be like watching a pile of honey-baked ham slowly dissolve until nothing was left but bone and sugar residue. Um, <laughs> would, would you say that Republican cocaine orgies would be better or worse than Tory tractor orgies? <laughs> It's a tough call. Uh, <laughs> I would say that the Republican cocaine orgies would be better in, in that, thanks to the cocaine, they would be over more quickly. <laughs> well, you don't know how long it takes when there's a tractor involved. I know. Some, or sometimes do you? you? <laughs> sometimes you got to refuel. <laughs> so uh, Cawthorn was talking about the, the re Republican cocaine orgies. It's been all over the news. He's had to answer to the other members of the Republican Party. Some of his colleagues have turned on him. He's up for re-election. Other Republicans are trying to challenge him in the primary. His campaign spokesman did not respond to requests for comment because his name is Luke Ball, which is definitely a porn star name. Um, now, Cawthorn is an interesting guy. He went on another podcast and said... I was raised on proverbs and push-ups, uh, which, but he dropped out of a conservative Christian college with all D's. So anyone can be saved, but with all, you have to have a C average. Um, <laughs> 
the the I, like the the story was that he talked told this story he told this story about the the cocaine orgies on a podcast called the Warrior Poet Society podcast, which I looked up, and now I'm so terrified I will never sleep again, um, <laughs> because the description of the website reads as follows: We believe there are warrior poets everywhere, and they have spanned the centuries. Um, no, man, you're thinking of the clap that spanned the century. <laughs> uh, it is our sincere hope that this special community of like-minded individuals will continue to grow and affect change for the better. Uh, if you're listening and not reading along on the website, they spelled affect with an A and not with an E, oh, which dear. means that they want to say that they want to adopt the posture and attitude of change while not actually <laughs> accomplishing change. Um, and uh, we want warrior poets in police departments, military, and, and as federal agents um uh it is our conviction to use our mind and bodies to protect others whether you want us to or not that last bit was implied but then the website is all selling like guns and military military gear and pictures of people at, at rifle ranges and in full flak suits uh what i'm trying to say is for the warrior poet society i saw no poetry there was a <laughs> lot of warrior uh but nary a couplet to be seen um so and then, like, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed by the, like, collapse of the legislative branch because there's Parrish here, Cawthorn's co cocaine orgy, and then I was up late in the middle of the night and saw a breaking story from Australia that a Tasmanian MP, Brian Mitchell, deleted his Twitter account because a story came out that in 2011 he tweeted, I will gargle balls for money to buy an iPad 2. <laughs> so... <laughs> I am beginning to get the feeling we are not sending our best and brightest. Um. <laughs> so on, um, on a little more on Madison Cawthorn. He's um, he's had a few what you might call bloopers in his brief political career. <laughs> um, enough to make it look well. I mean, uh, to to, uh, to go through some of them, he's been caught driving with a revoked driving license. Um, he's uh, twice tried to take a loaded gun through airport security. So clearly a man who likes a challenge, because it's so much easier not to do that, but he stepped up to the plate. It's also a Second Amendment right to get on an aeroplane fully tooled up, or at least it's not explicitly prohibited by the amendments. Uh, uh, whoever drafted though that Second Amendment didn't seem too fussed about what people took on aeroplanes, for whatever reason. He's facing allegations of sexual harassment. Um, we can see why aspiring Republicans might think they actually need that on their political CV. Uh, he called uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky a thug. Now, I, I think, without wishing to, you know, whilst trying to retain the objectivity for which this podcast is renowned, I think this is one of the easier <laughs> conflicts to pick a goodie versus baddie in. Um, but anyway, he's gone for uh, Zelensky as a thug. And he reportedly denied a staff a leave um, in a week in which two family members had died, so displaying the kind of cold, icy, anti-sold lack of humanity that's uh, evident the Republicans think voters are, are looking for. I mean, that's quite a lot of glitches in a 26-year-old's political career. I mean, it's starting to look like one of the legacies of Trump is that f***ing up massively is now strategy rather than <laughs> accident. Yeah, you say glitches, Andy. Yes, it's potato... Glitchy potato. <laughs> Glitchy potato. Yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 question that we have to answer today is yes, MPs looking at porn in the Commons is bad, but are they really Republican cocaine orgy armed militia podcaster <laughs> restoration of imagined biblical era masculinity bad? <laughs> <laughs> Give it time, NATO. Give it time. <laughs>
We're playing catch-up in this country in so many respects. Elon Musk news now. And uh, Elon Musk, the notoriously fictitious uh, entrepreneur, has elected to use his gazillions not to buy the bugle, as rumoured, um, and instead to buy Twitter. There were uh, there was a lot of chatter on the wires. Chris, I'm sure you picked picked uh, up on this on the uh, Bugle social media feeds, that he wanted to buy the Bugle and turn it into a podcast about drilling through the Earth's core so you can fire takeaway meals through vacuum tubes directly into anyone's mouth from anywhere in the world. But those efforts uh, foundered, and he's been trying to buy this podcast for over 20 years on uh, his reluctance to make host uh, Andy Zaltzman, CEO of the new Divinitax Unogod Electric Temple business, which Musk has uh, uh, rumoured to be created. That uh, promises a 35% success rate on all prayers. That's more than three times the amount received uh, by traditional bricks and mortar places of worship. So that deal is off. And instead, as was also rumoured in the room of us, he went for Twitter, the micro-messaging site that's firmly established itself as a third millennium equivalent of shouting at traffic. Uh, what does this mean for humanity as a whole, Helen? Well, uh, I suppose uh, we no longer have to fear being drowned and burnt by climate catastrophe as much because the alternative uh, is, uh, you know, what are you missing? I, I guess so. I mean, that's a, that's a, there's always... Always a positive spin. Yes, a, a positive in the, in the sea of negatives. Uh, Nate, are you, are you excited by this, this takeover? Yeah, my one complaint about Twitter, uh, and and uh, you know, Elon Musk has said that he that Twitter he feels like has not lived up to its potential of facilitating free speech, and um, that's been my big complaint about Twitter is as a Jew, I don't get enough death threats uh, <laughs> from Nazis. I get some, but uh, I'm really looking forward to Elon Musk freeing up the death threats from Nazis. So they've been they've been silenced for far too long. Yes, I mean it is a slightly weird thing, isn't it? To, the, the feeling that Twitter has restricted people from saying what they really think, rather than opening up a hole into the dark soul of uh, the human mind. He has pledged to be a champion of free speech, and as a free speech absolutist, I'm sure that you won't have a problem with me calling him a. <laughs> Chris, why have you bleeped out revolutionary entrepreneur who's changed the way we live on this planet? You can't say anything these days. Um, a, a number of people have threatened to leave Twitter as a result. There are alternatives to Twitter, um, which include writing anonymous insults, shoving them in a bottle and lobbing them in the sea to be picked up on a distant shore, or just graffiti local buildings, but uh, using that disappearing phone that football referees use to uh, mirror the ephemerality of the tweet. Uh, Elon Musk described Twitter as being like a town square. Now, uh, Helen, uh, we grew up in Tunbridge Wells, where... Yeah. I was the town square, uh, but, but but what did he mean by it being like a like a town square? Did he mean like a withered husk of a once thriving centre of communal life uh, where think people no longer somewhere that has a Bavarian style Christmas market <laughs> in December and uh, some closed down branches of BHS? Right. Well, I can I can see what he's looking at now. When you when you talk about something as the as the town square, for me as someone who has spent a fair amount of time in Latin America, that makes me think that he's talking about Twitter as the Zocalo, the Mexican plaza where they will sell you uh, balloons and fresh churros, which <laughs> could be delightful. <laughs> sounds good. What about if it's instead of balloons and fresh churros, it's NFTs of balloons and fresh churros? <laughs> <laughs> that seems to be where it's going. Uh, I, he, he, Maybe he assumes that people have uh, interesting and well-balanced chats in town squares. 
but <laughs> that has not been my experience of town squares. I'm thinking about getting off of Twitter and uh, going to an alternative platform called Complaining to My Friend Over a Beer. <laughs> Um, I mean, when you look at modern town squares, uh, I mean, a lot of them do have 300 Russian robots spreading rumours about the government in. So you can see why you know, Twitter, <laughs> Twitter might match that. Uh, we will keep you fully up to date with Elon Musk's attempt to take over A, the world, and B, the Bugle podcast over the next 4,000 years. Slightly more positive democracy news now. And, well, in recent years, democracy has not always delivered the results uh, that you might want to gladden the hearts of those who see it as a vehicle for aiding the progress of the human race. But Slovenia provided um, a bucking of the broader recent trend by voting for a pro-environment party rather than the incumbent populist prime minister. Uh, now, Slovenia, uh, I've just recently been there on holiday. It's a, it's a lovely country, um, absolutely beautiful alpine country. Um, it's known for its phenomenal selection of wines, a propensity for ski jumping, cyclists who really know their way around France, uh, to a frankly Tour de France winning level, uh, for not being a test cricket playing nation and having produced no world snooker champions. Um, <laughs> but we, we had a lovely couple of weeks there. Um, and it's just had an election and the freedom movement party, uh, founded less than a year ago as green actions party unseated the, uh, the prime minister, Janes Jancher, a former communist turned right winger dubbed the Slovenian Trump. Uh, by Der Spiegel uh, newspaper, and uh, th we're just not, I can't adjust to an election, uh, whatever country in, whatever country it is in, producing a result that does not make me want to smash my television to pieces. This, I mean, this was a, you know, actively pro-saving the world from environmental disaster. Uh, was it a mistake? Maybe people are bored of being ruled by toxic farts in wigs. And right. they want a period of politics, which is, there's a bit more emphasis on boring admin. Might not be as glamorous, might not be as exciting, but maybe it will kill us less fast. Right. That's, a very, we'll find out. that's a very naive view, Helen. Very naive. It speaks to the bar being on the floor. The freedom movement ran on a platform of transition to green energy, open society, and the rule of law. Running on a platform of rule of law is like running on a platform that government should exist. <laughs> um, what's alternative i want to be the head of state but not for the laws i'm here for the pageantry only <laughs> well we've got one of them chance has spent the past two years fostering the belief that slovenia was under attack according to the news by international left-wing conspiracies or remnants of the communist elite that he claims control the political seat in the country now andy speaking on behalf of the international left wing let me be the first to say <laughs> i wish uh <laughs> For communists in the year of our Lord, 2022, uh, controlling the tiny country of Slovenia would be what you would call a stretch goal. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're aiming lower right now. To give you some perspective, in San Francisco, the big project for local communists is unionizing a chocolate shop. Uh, so we're going to do that, and then and then it's the domino theory, and then right. Slovenia, and then the world. Right. There were there were protests. Um, uh, of of the of the government over the last couple of years, and one of the protest organizers was quoted in the press saying, "You would have thought the government would have taken the fact that thousands of people protested each week seriously." Uh, and as someone who's been an uh, organizer and an activist for a long time, uh, over the years, I've developed some pre-recorded off-the-shelf talks to give to people <laughs> because I have to give them so so often. And here are the titles, and you can ring them up at any time. The titles are: Can they do that? 
Uh, <laughs> the system is f***ed up. <laughs> the struggle is long, comrade. Uh, there is a subtle but important legal distinction between illegal and f***ed up. Uh, and one of them is the state does definitely does not take it seriously if thousands of people protest each week and that's it. <laughs> oh, you adorable, innocent babe, to think that someone trying to do fascism would be deterred by thousands of people protesting <laughs> in a country of two million. So I just want to uh, give a bugle public service announcement. It is my role on this podcast to teach you how to overthrow your government. Thousands of people protesting is a respectable start, but you can't stop there. You do got to do some angry tweeting. You got to speak to someone's manager. You got to do graffiti. Do you have people on stilts and in clown suits at the protests? Do that. Block a freeway. Build up. Go down on each other on the steps of the Capitol. Burn burn sofas in attire. That's how you get it done. You don't just protest and then call it a day. Right. Thanks for that. Uh, that was that. very inspiring. It was. Yeah. New line of merch coming now. <laughs> Fellatio on the steps of the Capitol. <laughs> Great. That's what happened uh, last January the 6th. Just all got out of control. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's Bugle. Thank you very much for listening, uh, Buglers. NATO, do you have any uh, shows or other um, podcasts to alert our listeners to? This Friday, I'm doing two shows at Cheaper Than Therapy in San Francisco. Uh, and also, um, I have some albums out, but there is currently, I don't know if you have heard about this, a dispute underway between with involving Spotify and comedy record labels. So a bunch of comedy albums, including mine, have been are impeded on Spotify. So uh, support the artists. Buy my albums on Bandcamp, the Whiteness album, the Nato Green Party. Uh, that's the best way to do it. At Nato Green on Twitter, Mr. Nato Green, Green on Instagram, if you should need to find me. Helen, anything to plug? Uh, you can listen to my podcast about language, The Allusionist. At theillusionist.org and in the pod places, but preferably not Spotify due to their <laughs> evil deeds. <laughs> um, don't forget. Yeah, I'll show them. <laughs> don't forget. You can sit here. In fact, just listen, listen carefully, Buglers. You can hear the corporate empire crumble. Um, don't forget. You can uh, come to my Soho Theatre show, Satirist for Hire, from the 9th to the 21st of May, but only on Mondays, Tuesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. It's a two-week run, missing three days each week. Uh, part-time do, satirist for hire. <laughs> do, do send in your satirical requests to satirise this at satiristforhire.com. Uh, you can also listen to the news quiz uh, via, um, well, via the BBC Sounds app, and then you seem to have to wait a month to listen to it anywhere else. Uh, thank you for listening, Buglers. We will now play you out with some lies about our premium-level voluntary subscribers... Don't forget, we are ending the lie offer. Uh, oh, we've ended it. Have we ended it? Well, should we give people you, you another... Said, you said the end of the month. And All right. It's like May or something now. But when you generally, when businesses do that, they then announce us like a surprise extension. So people think, oh, I haven't actually missed the end of that. So. I've taken it offline. Oh, I've taken it offline. It's done. But anyway, we will churn through the backlog of lies and there will be a new offer yes. for Bugle premium level voluntary subscribers. Imminent to uh, contribute to uh, The Bugle to keep the show free, flourishing and independent to make a one-off or recurring contribution go to thebuglepodcast.com and click the donate button here are some lies about the people who got in before the deadline Matthew Kidd is constantly surprised at how surprised people are by how unimpressed he is 
and how impressed people are by what the creatures of this world do in wildlife documentaries. Come on, says Matthew, if you haven't got off your brightly coloured behinds and evoluted the ability to speak, write, organise charity tea mornings or build rockets, the very least you should be able to do is run ridiculously fast, have an absurd-looking trunk or other appendage, and be able to splat out your feathers to look funky, or to chunder your kids' lunch into their waiting mouths. It's not much to ask, is it? Rachel Kennelly concurs to an extent and also highlights the fact that wildlife documentaries on TV only tell part of the story because everyone plays up to the camera. It's just human nature, says Rachel, and that is as true of creatures that are not human as ones that are. So inevitably we get to see these animals putting on their best show. I'd rather know what they're actually like when they know that David Attenborough is not there. With his showbiz trailers, his lighting rigs, his crew of camera people, technicians, hair and makeup artists, catering staff, runners and the underlings he has dressed up in animal outfits to coax out the lions or whatever on a slow day's filming. Steve Hallmark was surprised to discover well into adulthood that the world coop, as in cage for chickens, was not pronounced co-op. I'd always assumed, says Steve, that chickens tried to work collectively for their mutual benefit, which really impressed me, to be honest, even if they seemed to have come to the conclusion that their mutual benefit involved being cooped up in a cage. On reflection, concludes Steve, the fact that they were cooped up in their co-op ought perhaps to have alerted me to my linguistic mistake. By contrast, Bob Hendrick always pronounced cooperate as cooperate and assumed that its meaning of working jointly towards a shared goal was due to that being what you would probably do if you found yourself in a coop with loads of other people or other creatures who also didn't want to be in that coop. I guess, reflects Bob, it's just a chance of alphabetical similarity, a linguistic coin cadency, and I wouldn't be surprised if I've said that wrong as well. John Gibson is constantly infuriated by the term midnight. I'm an adult, admits John, and let me tell you that midnight, as currently configured, is unequivocally not in the middle of the night. The middle of the night, as everyone knows, is halfway between bedtime and uptime. On the rare occasions I do get to bed before so-called midnight, for example, at 11.30pm, I can't get to sleep for worrying about whether I'll get in trouble if I don't get up at precisely 12.30am. Frankly, it's a mess, concludes John. And finally, Lily Thompson concurs and would go one step further than that even. Lily claims that, in fact, in my mind, midnight is something that can only be defined retrospectively, after you've woken up, and then you can calculate mathematically exactly when the middle of your night was. But I would add that midnight has to be when it's still dark. Otherwise, what's the point of anything? Here endeth this week's lies. Goodbye. That is emphatically your lot. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, 
and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you 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 must be so excited. Listen now. <laughs> 